Welcome to episode 213, Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada, coming at you from New York City on a very rainy, snowy, slushy night. Uh, I didn't think I was going to do a podcast this evening, but I kept getting inundated uh, with emails and Facebook messages that were updating me on things going on in the world of pinball that we just have to cover as they happen. On this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast, we're going to talk about some very, very recent developments about Texas Pinball Festival and uh, some big companies pulling out of the show uh, and, and, and not revealing some of their big pins that we all expected to see in a couple weeks. We're going to talk about that. Uh, I'm going to talk about some of your listener feedback that I've been getting, which I really appreciate. You guys have to hit me up. Uh, at canadapinball at gmail.com and we can have almost like uh, indirect correspondence or conversation on this podcast. Um, I also want to address, because I got a bunch of people who emailed me after uh, the last episode and they were like kind of concerned. They were like worried that there was real beef and anger between Canada's Pinball Podcast and Head to Head Pinball Podcast over there in Australia. And I just want to set the record straight. I want to set the record straight that uh, there is no bad blood between this podcast and Head to Head Pinball. In fact, I talk to Ryan C. probably on a daily basis on uh, Facebook Messenger. We, we talk all the time. Um, Ryan's a good friend. I'm going to see him when he comes to New York in, in like a week. Uh, we're hanging at Texas Pinball Festival. So don't for a minute think when we we jab at each other that we are uh, doing it with malicious intent. I, I, they take some fun shots at this podcast on their uh, their pinball podcast. Uh, they make fun of some of the repetitive stuff I say on this show. Um, you know, and so I, I, I did the only thing I knew I could do to stay competitive with that podcast, and that was to go out and use my own money. I spent a lot of money, guys, a lot of money. Uh, to license the official laugh track from Head to Head Pinball. And some people have been saying to me, like, are you going to still use it? Like, enough is enough. And you know what? I've decided to actually stop using the Head to Head Pinball laugh track. I don't think it's that funny. Uh, and I think you guys will appreciate this show not trying to be two hours long, okay? So that's that's my official stance on the whole thing. <laughs> So the big news today is we have absolute, with 100% certainty, we have confirmation that two of the big titles we were expecting to see at Texas Pinball Festival uh, next weekend will not be shown, okay? And the two titles that will not be shown are Chicago Gaming Company's new title, title number three. Uh, now, I, I heard from a bunch of people it was going to be Monster Bash Remake. Then I heard there were some licensing issues, and it, it, it might have been Circus Voltaire that might be bumped in front of Monster Bash Remake. Uh, but whatever it was going to be is now confirmed by Chicago Gaming Company themselves that they will not be at TPF with the game. And I want to read what they wrote. They said, like a fine wine, a pinball is not done till it's done. We have elected to delay the introduction of pinball number three. Originally, we were scheduled to introduce our next pin at the Texas Pinball Festival in Dallas, Texas on March 16th to the 18th. Additional features are being added while deploying some newer technologies. While we know this will disappoint a few people, we are confident that once they see the final product, they will be blown away. Chicago Gaming will still be present at Texas Pinball Festival regardless. More information on Pin 3 in the weeks to come. All right, so that was, that sucks. That really sucks. Um, I think a lot of people out there were really looking forward to seeing uh, the next game from Chicago Gaming. Now, I'll say who's really happy about this, about Monster Bash Remake being delayed. If there's one company that must be doing backflips with this news, it's Spooky Pinball uh, and Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. We've said it all along. I mean... 
there were two spooky-themed games being revealed at Texas Pinball Festival, and one of them just bailed out. So this is really, really good news for Charlie and company uh, that they are not going to have to compete with, with Monster Bash Remake. All right? Now, I've also, I also have confirmation as of today that Stern Pinball will not be bringing Iron Maiden to Texas Pinball Festival. There will be no new Stern Pinball machines brought to TPF. And I want to talk about this for a minute because I think this warrants me going off a little bit on a rant that Stern Pinball, the biggest pinball company in the world, is once again snubbing people who are going to the main pinball shows. And look, there are two pinball shows. Let's be honest. There are two pinball shows where reveals occur for the most part, right? Chicago Expo and Pinball Expo in Chicago and Texas Pinball Festival in in um, in March. And they make total sense because they're like six months or so apart and they're the perfect time for a company to reveal its games because most of the news and uh, most reveals happen at those two shows. And now we have two for two. Stern failed to show up to uh, Pinball Expo in Chicago with Guardians of the Galaxy, and now they are failing to go to um, Texas Pinball Festival where thousands of people will go who are pinball fans to see the latest and the greatest, and they are not going to be present. And I just have to say, that's bullshit. It is total bullshit. There is no reason why Stern can at least show up, and even if the game is not playable, even if it's not 100%, there is no reason why they can't show us the game a la what they did with Batman 66 and at least have the game there or have a seminar in which Keith Elwin, George Gomez, Zombietti are there to reveal to us the game. It doesn't have to be playable. We don't have to have it on the floor. But the, it, I think it's absolute bullshit that Stern is not going to reveal the game at this show. And I think Stern's going to do something that they always do, is they're going to find some stupid, like, comic book convention or some other way or some, like, Vegas show or some other moment in time to just plop this thing out into the world with some bullshit IGN exclusive. Let me tell, let me tell them something. You know, they might think that an IGN story about pinball is, like, getting pinball out there. Bullshit. This is such a niche hobby. Nobody that reads IGN is a pinball new in box buyer, right? Those stories get no traction. They get no comments. Uh, it is absolute, I think, inaneness. Uh, and I, I think it's absolutely unforgivable that Stern continues to turn its back on the main shows in, in this hobby. I, 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 I see absolutely no reason why we can't see what is happening with Iron Maiden at this show, okay? I'm so upset. I'm so upset that I'm almost tempted. I'm almost tempted to just leak the Deadpool images that are out there in the world, but I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I will never do that. And I see that people are speculating whether or not there are Deadpool images uh, circulating around in the world. There are maybe a few, but... No one I know is, is going to reveal anything, but it's, it's happening. Deadpool is happening. Um, I've seen it. Multiple people have seen it, all right? But you're not getting shit. I love going onto the thread and people are like, I don't think the images exist. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Um, but let me go back to Texas for a second because I was talking to some people and they were like, you know, now I don't know if I want to go to the show. Now I'm not really sure if I'm as excited to go to TPF as I was before. And I and look, I get that new games are revealed at shows, but for the most part, the reason why these shows are great is not because pinball machines are revealed. It's because for a two to three day period, grown men can actually hang out with other grown men that actually give a shit about pinball. And for a, what, like a 72-hour period, you can actually get drinks, turn to the guy next to you 
at a bar and have a conversation about pinball where that guy doesn't want to break the beer bottle over your fucking head. All right, you can't go into most bars in the world and turn to the guy next to you and start talking about pinball. And that is what makes shows great. It is not about uh, reveals for the most part. Yes, it would be nice to have seen both the games from Chicago Gaming and Stern. Uh, but I also, you know what? It's not a deal breaker. I'm not not going to go now because um, I'm still excited to play more of Houdini. I'm excited to play Pirates of the Caribbean for the first time because I've never played that machine. I'm excited to see uh, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle and play that game at the Spooky Booth. You know, there's plenty of new stuff that's going to be there. So don't for a minute think that, um, uh, you know, I'm devastated. Uh, do I think Stern having a presence there without Iron Maiden is freaking lame? Of course I do. But you know what I think Stern is doing this? Because some bean counter at Stern is like, you know what we really need? We need to sell more garbage of the galaxy. We need to sell more math wars. You know, by that I mean Guardians of the Galaxy and Star Wars. We need to sell more of these games that we paid all this money for on the license. And we really shouldn't show Iron Maiden yet. Because you know what? Like, let's bring the stuff that hasn't moved in the numbers that we expected. That's what's going on at Stern. There is no way they couldn't reveal to us the layout, the artwork, the cabinets of Iron Maiden. And you know why I know that? Because there, there's like, they're, they're ready. They are ready. This game is going to be revealed, what, in like a couple weeks after TPF? I think it's just a total slap in the face. And I, I say shame on them. I say shame on Stern. I think you guys out there should, you know, if you love pinball, if you love pinball, you should go buy something else from another, another manufacturer that actually cares about these shows and actually shows up with their new product. I mean, it'd be like going to these major car shows and none of the manufacturers want to bring anything new. It, it's like a total fuck you. And then all they want to do is like put up their new releases on websites that don't even sell to car enthusiasts. I mean, the pinball enthusiast world is so small and I constantly think Stern is acting like they're bigger than us. Like, they don't talk to us on the forums. They don't really communicate with us at all. And I think this period of them acting holier than whole is, is getting kind of old. It's getting kind of old. And I think shame on them. Shame on them. I'm really disappointed in, in this decision by them. All right. All right. What else is going on in the world of pinball? So... Uh, there was an interesting post uh, uh, by Robert Mueller over at Deep Root regarding uh, what's going on with Deep Root. And I think that, you know, for those of us who have sort of been following, we know the story. We know they're going to make uh, or trying to remake John Papaduke's Zidware titles. Now, uh, you know, I think the thing with John Papaduke over the years is it's it's constantly been this sort of desire to make John's games work. And it's been a never-ending sort of fiasco trying to get the J-pop games off the ground. And, you know, we saw that Zidware failed on their own. We saw that Pintasia failed. We saw that um, American Pinball failed. And so here we are at another round of getting this thing off the ground. And I want to read what, what Robert Mueller wrote uh, in the Deep Root thread about what it's like currently sort of working uh, to get John Papaduke's games off the ground because there's a lot of skepticism, and, and rightfully so. And so, uh, no, you know, no other than our favorite friend Oric Lawson was talking about uh, J-pop games, and, 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 and he was skeptical. He wrote, this is what Oric wrote, I just don't really think the lesson should be don't worry someone will bail you out and then J-pop gets to have a job again. He should never get to work in the industry again instead of being enabled. That's my perspective, okay? So he wrote that and then Robert Mueller chimed in and it's been a while since Robert has talked to us. So he wrote, I think it's natural to have this perspective without the facts. However, you have no idea what is going on behind the curtains. J-pop is not getting a free ride. He is not getting bailed out. He is not being enabled. 
and he is not getting an amazing compensation package that our other designers enjoy. The price he has paid and will continue to pay will be stiff. He knows it and still is committed to seeing things through. He does not need support or forgiveness. He needs to finish what he promised, period. And I am making sure he, at the end of the day, does just that. In fact, this last visit we had some tough love talks about several design issues. It wasn't pleasant at all. So I want to stop there for a minute because I want to stop there because I want to discuss what a, a, a tough love design talk with John Papaduke is like in 2018. In March of 2018, when Robert Mueller sits down with John Papaduke uh, and there's a Magic Girl layout in between the two of them. And hardly anything in Magic Girl works. There are missing ramps that are supposed to go to magna flip sections of a middle mechanism. The automatron, the whole thing doesn't work. There are targets that can't possibly be hit. There are, um, you know, spinning black disc outlane things that are supposed to stop the ball. The jinx thing doesn't work. There's something that doesn't work with the levitation. Everything in Magic Girl, nothing works. And so how do you talk to John Papaduke about designing a Magic Girl that works, right? How do you do it? What conversation do you have? Um, it literally is a game where the only thing that really is enjoyable is shooting the ball straight up the middle and hearing the fun sounds that play when the spinner flips over, you know, around and around and around. And that's it. All right. So Robert Mueller went on to say, so where is it right for anyone, especially someone who has no stake in the Zidware mess to dictate whether someone has a right to right wrongs, finish what was promised, pay hard punishments, or be employed or involved in any passionate diverse industry, all with no stake in an outcome and little to no knowledge of what the facts really are are oh shit man robert mueller just stuck a nuclear warhead inside oryx's butt and lit the fuse on that thing <laughs> i actually kind of appreciate robert saying that because i think it's time that people tell people, you know what, if you have no skin in the game, just shut up. Just go away. Like, why is Oric even chiming in on the deep root thread? But I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute on this whole thing because, uh, you know, look, we're into pinball. We all want to give opinions about games, whether or not we're in on it, right? So it's like, it's like saying I can't give an opinion about highway pinball or their practices unless I'm in on a game. But we all know that that's not how this hobby works, that everyone is connected to what's going on because there's not that many games going on. There's not that many companies. And if you want to spend your day talking about pinball and conversing on a forum, you are going to end up migrating into threads that you may or may not have a skin in the game. Okay, so I just I want to play devil's advocate there. The other part that I want to talk about with this whole thing is, is this notion, and we hear it all the time, that Zidware customers need to be made whole. That there is like this manifest destiny, this almost like like desire or, or, or necessary um, movement, if you will, like, like, a, like a, a social responsibility for all the pinball stars to align and make sure that people who went on went in on Zidware games are made whole. And I just want to ask the question, why? Why is it so important that these people are made whole? If you remember back, way back to when people invested in Zidware, Oric Lawson was one of the only people, one of the only people that was telling people to be cautious. What are you guys doing? Why are you backing a guy, one guy, who doesn't have any clue how to make pinball machines. And he was almost universally told to shut up 
by all the people who had stars in their eyes, right? They saw John's beautiful artwork. They believed in his magical promises. They got super excited when he sent them a receipt that had like a, a bunny rabbit on it, all right? And he was one of the only people that was telling people to be cautious. And he, I, I agree with Oric. He didn't clout. He didn't brag that he was right, but he was right. And now here we are in 2018, and we still have this mentality that these people need to be made whole. And I 100% agree with Oric that like, you know what? No, they don't. No, they don't. These people took a risk. They took a gamble. They went in on something before they even saw something. And I don't know why there's such a, an overwhelming obligation on the part of other individuals to pick up John's mess and make his customers whole. Uh, and I've said it before, like the only reason I can think of is that Robert Mueller and anyone else who's ever tried to sort of give John another chance they believe that John Papaduke is worth it. And they think that his talents and his skills are valuable enough uh, to make his, his, you know, his other customers whole. Because until you do that, he has no future. Um, but I do find it interesting that Robert is being transparent in the troubles he's probably facing with John Papaduke when it comes to design issues. Now, Here's the thing is Robert has promised to get these games made like a little over a year from now. And if he's still having design issues with J-Pop and having tough love conversations with John, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm skeptical. I, I remain skeptical because I still think that John Papaduke, as whatever skills he has, his his bad qualities and his inability to focus and his uh, meandering and his design, you know, his wishy-washy designs like where he like has things that can't even physically work is going to be very problematic to unravel the mess that is J-pop. And I think everyone feels the same way as why would you hire these new designers who have no baggage, who can build a game that works from from day one? Why would you waste your time trying to unravel the mystery of Magic Girl, of Raza, of Alice in Wonderland? And why would you have to have all these tough love conversations with a man who clearly is a few cans short of a six pack? All right. Well, that's Robert's thing to figure out. And we look forward to seeing what comes of it all. Uh, but it sounds like there's still some tension. In, in, in the J-pop deep root world in terms of figuring out all of this stuff, okay? All right, let's move on to what else is going on in the pinball hobby. So uh, I want to read some of your feedback, all right? I want to read some of your feedback on my last podcast because uh, I got some good stuff. I got some really good stuff from you guys. And again, I appreciate all of you who write in. All right, I got an email... Uh, and I emailed Dave Sanders because in my last podcast, when I did the Highway Pinball, the Broadway show, I, I, um, I misspoke when I said that Slam Tilt was Dave Sanders. It was actually Russell from Highway Pinball. Okay, so I apologize to Dave. It's not Dave Sanders exiting stage left. It's actually um, Russell from Highway Pinball. So can you forgive me for that mistake? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. So Dave, sorry about that, man. I re really do apologize. But I, everything else in that show was, was pretty damn accurate. All right, let's go on to the next email I got, which was from Mark Felt. So Mark Felt wrote me something really interesting. I want to read uh, almost all of his email, and I want to respond to stuff uh, as he says it. So he says, the answer to many of your questions about these zombie pinball companies is always follow the money. Why are Dutch and Highway still in business? because there is money in a bank account somewhere for people to draw salaries from. That's all. 
Do you know how many millions of dollars of salaried overhead was pissed away at Kodak, RIM, makers of BlackBerry, and Nokia uh, as they circled the drain? You know that they paid the top executives extra bonuses to stay on the sinking ship. That is what is going on with Toys R Us right now. But do you think Hasbro and Mattel will ever get paid? Um, of course not. So why don't they go away? Because there is still money left. Will people ever get their aliens or big Lebowskis? I doubt it. All right, I want to stop there for a minute and address that. So there is definitely money in a bank account with Highway and Dutch Pinball. Now, all that money that's in that bank account, that money was given to them to pay for the parts and the labor necessary to make the pinball machine that those individuals ordered. That money was not meant to be allocated to Barry or Yop's salaries. And I've always wondered this. When you've got guys who don't have other day jobs, who's paying them? Like, how are they making money? You know, it's very simple question. Like, who's paying for the airplane tickets to, to send Barry and Yop to China? Who's paying for Barry and Yop to fly out to, to Pinball Expo last year? Or who's paying for them to fly out to Texas Pinball Festival when they did last year, right? All the different uh, expenses, hotel rooms, airline tickets. Um, who's paying all the money to order the parts? Who's paying all the money to train the new employees at, at the contract manufacturing place uh, to make the game, right? All that money is coming probably from that bank account. And then what happens, right? That bank account like starts to like run out. And then there's absolutely no money to, to, to build the game that those people paid for. And we see it with Highway Pinball. I mean, I think Highway is the most concerning for me too because... You know, people want refunds and they refuse to give them refunds. So what does that say about the health of the company when they still refuse to give people their money back uh, when they asked for it? And, and I, I said it from day one. These companies need to make these um, products with uh, their own money and their own investment dollars. And they should not be taking customer dollars until uh, they've figured out production. All right. So then I want to read where his email goes next. So Mark wrote next. Now, like it or not, you wield more power than you may think. You basically just fucked American Pinball because your audience of 1,000 plus plus the other 1,000 that they talk to are American Pinball's only real customer base. No operator in their right mind would buy a Houdini with no clue if they will be able to get parts long term. And there is no reference point for resale value unlike Stern. Speaking of Stern, when they announce the vault edition of Batman SLE and do another run against their previous announced decisions to only make whatever number, you will have no one to blame but yourself. You have a force of one, resurrected a game that everyone had forgotten about and written off. You can't preach, play it for yourself all day long. Many of your listeners follow the drum of Canada, and the run on Batman is your fault. Not promising a Batman SLE Vault Edition, but look at ACDC Lucy. Again, follow the money. Stern needs at least 50 a day. All right, let me stop there for a minute, Mark, because I think you're saying some, some very bold things right now. So you're saying, let's start, let's, let's rewind this. You're saying that you think Stern is going to make another run of Batman Super Limited Edition games, okay? You're saying that because there's money to be made if they do that. And I would go out on a limb, and not even a limb. I, I would be utterly shocked if Stern was going to fuck over the 80 people that plunked down $15,000 and remade a super limited edition of Batman. Now, 
Will they make a vault edition of Batman? That's a different story. If I were Stern, and I'm going to give them some marketing advice right now, they should do what ACDC, um, what they did with Lucy. And because Batman had such a shitty launch and people didn't really go in on the game at launch because the code was like in beta form, now that Batman is great, if I were Stern to drum up new excitement for Batman, I would make a Batgirl version of the game. I wouldn't make it limited edition. I wouldn't call it anything special. I would just have a Batgirl version of the game and sell it to people, okay? Because I still don't think that that uh, diminishes the value of the 80 SLEs that are out there. Now, look, Stern will never remake Batman SLE, okay? There's just like certain things that you just can't do as a company because the people who bought Batman SLEs, they were guaranteed that there would only be 80 of them ever made. If Stern remade more, those individuals would have legal cause to go get money back from the manufacturer. I'll give you a cargument. Uh, people who bought Dodge Demons, Dodge confirmed publicly that we are making no more than 3,300 demons ever. Okay, that's it. No more. Now, that doesn't stop Dodge from making a better version or a better car a year later, but they can't call it a demon. And that's just the thing. You can't call anything a Batman Super LE. Um, now, interesting point is, could Stern make... Imagine if Stern said, we're going to make um, 500 Batgirl limited edition Batman 66 machines. They could easily do that. Heck, Stern could, and they have the right to, they could say, we're only going to make 50 Batgirl editions, and they're $20,000 each. They don't have to call them a Super LE. They could do that. You just can't remake the exact game that people bought. I know. It's, it's, we are always vulnerable to the pinball machine we buy. We are always vulnerable to having the carpet pulled out from underneath us when it comes to the value of these limited machines. If you own a Big Bang bar, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you own a Cactus Canyon that you spend $10,000 restoring, you're fucked. If you own, you know, a Circus Voltaire or a Theater of Magic and you spend all this money restoring it, I'm sorry, but they're about to remake that game with new technology and make it even better. And that's just the issue with pinball is there's always the remake possibility that could screw people, all right? Mark goes on to write, he said, speaking of Stern, when they announced the vault edition of Batman SLE and do another run against the previous announced decision. All right, I, I, I already read that part. Sorry, guys. He says, speaking of SLE, you will never get custom code because they are nothing more than a cash grab on the part of Stern. You can see it for yourself. Anyone would take the extra couple grand of pure profit per game and slap a 34 of 80 sticker on it. They are not going to debug and track a special version of software because they don't have to. On another note, enough with calling people stupid that buy a game without playing it. Wealthy people tell a guy, I want a game room. Their guy then spends 100K to 200K to put in the dartboard, pool table, video games, pinball machines, foosball, air hockey, jukebox. You think the wealthy guy who cares cares how the pinball game plays. It's a commodity other than the theme. My kids like Star Wars, so I'll get one. There are guys with fully stocked game rooms just for their kids. They themselves don't even play. But you know what is bad? If something is broken. So their guy buys stern games and stocks node boards instead of jerking around with anything else. And what about the average pinball player that wants new in box the first week just so they can have bragging rights? It is their right to behave like that. If they are able to feed their family and keep a roof over their heads, then let them have it. 
I know guys that eat McDonald's, drive an old car, never take vacations just to be able to afford new inbox um, because that is what they care about. Not my thing, but l buy, live, and let live. But live and let live. They don't need you telling them they are stupider. Let me stop there for a minute because, again, Mark, first of all, Mark, Mark thank you. I wish everybody who emailed me put as much thought into what Mark is writing and saying because Mark is, um, he's bringing up some very, very valid sort of counterpoints to things we talk about a lot on this show. Let me start first by saying that I don't think most people who buy pinball machines are these really wealthy guys who just deflect to someone else to put in a game room in their home. I, I think most people who buy pinball machines, they know a lot about pinball. I think they know which games they want. I think they're following the hobby somewhat. This is not just like, uh, you know, there's the, the percentage of people that casually put in one hundred to $200,000 game rooms is 0.0001% of every pinball manufacturer's customer base. So I think, yes, you might have that, that wealthy sort of ignorant dude who just does it and doesn't give a shit. And I'll tell you what, there are those people but we also don't give a shit about those people because those people don't really give a shit. Those people are called posers. Like you're a poser when you want a game room, but you don't really care about which games go in the room or you just like arbitrarily select them. You know, it's like the guy who, who wants a, a collection of cars, but doesn't really know anything about cars and, and just has someone curate his collection for them. Yeah, you're a poser. You're not really well-versed in the hobby. And I think those people, I could care less about them. Um, for the people that you mentioned who eat at McDonald's and sacrifice in other areas so they can get new inbox machines, um, and I know I sort of uh, you know, come down hard on those people, and I will remain hard on those people. And I'll explain why. If you have any, any financial advice coming to people who live like that, the last place you should put your money when you have excess money is in a pinball machine pinball machine purchases should come when you have money on top of your excess money it is money that's on top of your primary savings um, look if someone wants to live that way if they want to drive whatever car and they want to eat cheaply and all they care about is pinball and they save up and they get a new inbox machine that they've been waiting for. Yes. God bless those people. I, I, I like, it's not what I would do with my money. Um, but I'll say this, and we've been talking a lot about this on the podcast recently is that life is really short, right? Life is really short and we don't know how much time we have on this planet and you should surround yourself with the things that you enjoy, right? Because it's pinball and you don't want to like take the second place trophy in life uh, and, and, and forego surrounding yourself with the things you love and i forget where i heard that it really is the just the epitome of that's pinball and you just have to shrug it off and get your trophy for second <laughs> <laughs> all right and then i want to end up uh, mark's email with the final the final things he said so that he goes on to say um a psychiatrist might say you are just flogging yourself for your magical fuck-up every time you attack someone who made a mistake four years ago by paying in full for whatever or buying a game sight unseen. You have a right to be a fuck-up, and you learned your lesson. Fair to share your lesson with others, but you are really becoming a broken record on the subject. Also, you can't just go out and play many of these games. There are not lots of dialed-in games on location or TNA or Houdini. Throw a dart at a map of the U.S. and 99% of the time, you will be lucky to find a newer Stern, much less the latest Stern. Just because you are in a fantastic place to play all the latest games does not mean the rest of us are. Keep up the good work, keep preaching good health and a balanced life. Worthwhile messages. Well, Mark, thank you. I, I appreciate the note. Um, look, so I, I get that 
I got burned on Magic Girl and I learned a lesson. And, and I think a lot of people did, uh, not just with Magic Girl. I think everyone who's gone in on Alien or the Big Lebowski or Predator or any Zidware titles, I, I think these, I think everybody has, has changed their tune and, and the enthusiasm uh, to, to get in on any pinball that's announced is over and that we all require more than just someone to rock up to a show with a prototype to get our money. We actually want to know the game is done and there's a pathway to production. Uh, so, you know, there's that. Um, the other part in terms of not being able to have access to a machine before you buy it or, you know, look, here's the deal. And this is just my opinion. Then don't buy it. Don't buy it. It is so stupid in my mind to buy a pinball machine that is out there in the world and buy it before you even get a chance to play it. All right. All right. So, but, but here's the thing. If you're going to buy a game, if you're going to roll the dice on a game and you can't get to it, all right, then I would recommend this. I would recommend doing all the homework you can. Uh, I would recommend being on all the forums you can and asking as many people's opinions as you can uh, to determine which is the right game for you. Because I do get it. I do get it that, you know, if you don't know that you want a Houdini or it's the right game for you, uh, how would you know? See, I think with Houdini is a good example of a game that because it has really tight shots, uh, you know, people aren't going to immediately go in on it and it might be frustrating for some. And I think, you know, I didn't address what Mark said earlier in that, that this podcast has a lot of influence. And he says, he almost is saying that I fucked over American pinball because I came on this show and I said my first impressions of Houdini were a bit lukewarm and I encouraged people to play it and make up their own minds. Now, I want to, I want to address that. Because I think it gets to both of that part of his email and the end part about playing something before you buy it. But here's the thing is I know I have over a thousand people who listen to this show on a weekly basis who actually are in the market for the most part. Most people are in the market for new pinball machines. And that's why you listen to this show. You're not going to listen to this show if you're like a big tournament player. You're not listening to this show to learn how to get better at playing certain pinball machines because I self-admittedly suck at pinball. And I absolutely think talking about pinball tournaments is the worst thing you can do on a podcast. <laughs> But what this podcast will never be is a podcast that just cheerleads every single new pinball venture. I mean, I'm allowed to give my opinion about a game. I'm allowed to like a game and not like a game. And if I gave opinions about games that were way off, that people totally disagreed with, then I guarantee you I would not have all these people listening to this podcast. And I hear other podcasts when they take digs at me, you know, they say stuff about me because I might not be the most knowledgeable about all the little nuances in pinball, but you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because none of my uh, uh, lack of knowledge makes the shots in Houdini any less tight and any less frustrating. So that's just the way it is. And I gave my opinion about Houdini. And so then what happens is other people are hopping on Houdini and they are looking for the tight shots and they're looking to see if those shots in the game and the layout of the game is something that they would enjoy. You know, I saw someone say uh, on one of the Houdini threads, the shots are really tight and really hard, but, you know, over time you'll you'll get really good at them. And I'm, a, I'm in the camp of, you know what, when something is super, super tight, uh, I, I don't think you ever will get to the point where you're going to be hitting them very frequently. I, that's just the way I think most people play pinball. I, I, I think there, there's no reason to have shots that are ultra frustrating. Uh, but I, but again, like I don't, when I say that stuff, I, I, I don't stop myself and say, wait a minute, I shouldn't give my honest opinion about this game because that might hurt 
this company's ability to sell the machine, right? Do I do do movie reviewers go into a movie and say, you know, wait a minute, they spent a hundred million dollars on this movie, and I'm not really going to give my honest opinion about the film because it might hurt the feelings and might hurt this company's ability uh, to make profit on this movie. You know, I consider myself to be a media outlet for pinball. And I give one person's opinion about a machine. Now, if, if, if people want to crucify me or, or blame me for hurting a company's ability to survive in pinball because of one man's opinion, I would argue against that and say that if you only listen to me and you don't formulate your own opinion on any game I talk about or any company I talk about, then shame on you. It's not my responsibility to make up your mind for you. Of course, I have some influence. Of course, I can tell you what I think. And of course, what I say might influence the opinion you formulate. But we're all grown adults here talking about probably the most ridiculous, unnecessary topic to have a conversation about on planet Earth, which is pinball, and go formulate your own opinion. Now, look, I've been saying this about Houdini for a while. I, I say enough negative things about Stern machines. I've said enough negative things about spooky machines. I've said enough negative things about every manufacturer. And I've also said a lot of positive things about every manufacturer. And I also am very uh, excited and enthusiastic about the new machines coming out. If this was just a negative Nancy uh, podcast, you know, this was just a place where I complained all the time, I would have nobody listening because nobody wants to hear someone who's just down and out on the hobby. I'm actually really, really excited for what's coming out in pinball. And I think there are some amazing games that have come out in the last five years. I think you just have to be patient. And I think you have to really play these games now. There's just too many of them. All right. All right. I got an email from Michael Shaulis. He said, Dear Canada, just finished listening to your Laugh Track podcast. May I make a suggestion? Never again. (laughs) I do not need the extra minutes, and I get it. You are digging head-to-head pinball, but it was more irritating than humorous. Maybe your point. But I am confused. Somewhere in my journey of discovering, listening, and enjoying the Twippy Award-winning podcast, I missed the beginning of your feud with Head to Head. Can you enlighten this listener? Well, Michael, I I explained at the beginning of this podcast, there is no feud. Um, This is just simple jabbing back and forth at each other. He said, since listening to their Canada podcast, I have enjoyed their interviews with Scott Denisi, Eric Munier, Jonathan Justin, Charlie Emery, and Bowen Kearns. But I have no time or patience for the rest of the podcast since any pinball podcast updates I can get from you in a much more concise and interesting format. And really, their game show is just stupid. What is your pinball sound? And how many times do I need to hear about ball bags? It only took me trudging through a couple of episodes to focus only on the interviews. Looking forward to hearing about the Texas trip and hoping you come around to my previous assertion that Jersey Jack Pirates of the Caribbean will be known as the great game of this decade and maybe one of all-time best. I'm sure you saw the Straight Down the Middle show by now. That again confirms my assertion. As always, my best to Bubba, Mike. Well, Mike, thank you. Wow, you're saying Pirates of the Caribbean will be the great game of the decade? <laughs> um, maybe. I think it's too way too early to tell. Um, I'm sorry that you can't stomach getting through all of the head-to-head pinball podcast. You only listen to the interviews. I'm like, everybody does their show. Everybody does their thing. Um, this is my thing. This is my show. This is how I decide to do it. Uh, when I first started doing this show, I got a whole bunch of people telling me I should do it like once a week, I should do it this way, I should do it that way. And I just decided, since I'm not being paid, since this makes me no money, that I would just do a pinball podcast whenever I felt like it. And the reason why I love not having a a, a guest every episode, and I don't like having a co-host, 
And one time some guy was like, I should be your co-host and it'd be great. The reason why is I want to do it when I'm in the mood. And I think this is why this podcast is better um, for that reason is because you only are going to get me when I really feel like doing it. If it's scheduled, you know, that's the part that always sucks because, you know, my friends at Head to Head, like they're scheduled to do it every week at the same time. What if they don't feel like doing it at that time? Well, they have to do it. And then when they have a, a guest on, um, they're at the mercy of how enthusiastic that guest is when they're interviewing them and everything relies on that. And they have to just make up the entertainment value as they, you know, as they go, even if they don't feel like being in that kind of mood. And, and so that's the challenge with all pinball podcasting. I I think it's, it's more fun to do it when you actually want to do it, when you feel obligated to do it because of scheduling. All right. I got an email from Max. Max, thank you for listening to the show. He said, Hey, Chris, I will start out by saying that I don't agree with everything that you say. And sometimes I staunchly disagree. Take Houdini, for example. I played one recently that was not leveled well at all, but I was able to make the shots and had a blast. But pinball is so subjective when it comes to what some people like and what others don't that I can't be too mad at you for not liking it. Okay, Max, I I, I think I was fair in the game, the game I was playing, in the environment I was playing it in, had more to do with me not liking it than the game itself. Okay, the shots are the shots are going to be tight. I couldn't hear the game. The game wasn't set up right. I will play Houdini again, and I will give a new impression when I play a game fully set up. So Josh Kugler, I know you listen to the show, bro. Your game at TPF, I, I, it better be play. It better be like dialed in properly, because that that'll be my next review. He then wrote, but dude, Highway Pinball the musical is one of the best things I've ever heard in pinball podcasting. It was the perfect bit. And then you tossed in the head-to-head laugh track. I think that may be your best podcast yet. Content like that is the reason why I listen to your cast. I know it's going to be witty and at least make me think. I'm one of the lucky ones who got my $1,500 deposit refunded back in early 2016. Shills, man. What the fuck? Don't let all this praise go to your head. Keep up the good work. Well, Max, I will not let it get to my head. I'm glad you enjoyed Highway Pinball, the Broadway play. I think we should actually put it on. You know what I need to do one day? I think you guys will fully enjoy this. I need to do an entire podcast where I get somebody else to do it with me. And all we're going to do is we're going to read... The, the, I have in my possession someone like who worked at Highway with Andrew Pinball. They grabbed a correspondence between them and Andrew Highway, uh, arguing about coming in to work on Alien Pinball. And there is the most amazing back and forth between that employee and Andrew Highway. And we need to just like read it. In, in sort of like Broadway play fashion so people can actually get a, a, a real understanding of what it was like to work when things weren't going well over there. All right. So I got an email from Penlink. He said, why Snow has changed his avatar? No doubt because of the Hilton hoodie. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but our friend Hilton, who for years has always had his classic Homer Simpson with the beer mug avatar on Pinside has recently changed it to like someone holding a bunch of puppies. And a lot of people have said to me, you know what? He's really nervous because at TPF, the Hilton hoodie will be revealed and it will have his original Pinside avatar on it. And look, it's a big change. You don't just change your avatar after all this time because uh, when we read Pinside, our visual cue of to who's saying what is more the avatar than anything else. So I think we did. I think we did get Hilton to change his avatar. He'll never admit it. All right. So another bit of news. I, I actually, you know, I want to cover this earlier, but I'll, I'll talk about it now. So I got an email from Simon Hastings, and he wrote another dummy spit from Mike. Um, so here's the deal. Homepin is about to ship 
uh, Thunderbirds. And we haven't really covered Homepin very much. I think we covered all about them that you need to know. Uh, I personally brought to light a lot of what I believe to be insensitive and ignorant comments that Mike has made, not just about pinball and the pinball marketplace, but about you know certain people's uh, lifestyle choices and, 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 and ethnicities and whatnot, okay? I don't want to go over it again, but I want to read what Homepin wrote. So this is from the moderator at Aussie Arcade Forum. He received this note from Mike from Homepin says Homepin has PM'd me to say he wants his account deleted and doesn't want to be part of the Aussie Arcade community. Yay, happy stress-free days for me. On a serious note, thanks for your help over the years, Mike. I'm sure a lot of AAers appreciate it. However, it's a shame you couldn't keep it on a professional level instead of letting certain people bait you into arguments in which AA suffers the consequences. I fully understand Homepin. He's like me, a straight shooter, and some people don't know how to take him. But if you met the guy, you'd understand. All right, so here's the thing. He's a straight shooter. He just shoots from the hip. Mike speaks his mind. I'm sorry. You're running a pinball company. This guy has gone out of his way to crap all over the American pinball market, who, by the way, he is now realizing was a colossal mistake. You don't start a pinball company and then piss all over the world's number one pinball market. He's now trying to correct that wrong. He now has a discussions going on or, or distributors in America are looking at the possibility of selling Thunderbirds. Good luck with that. Um, but, you know, it's saying Mike is misunderstood. I want to just for a moment just call bullshit on that, okay? And I want to give you just, again, the example of like when Mike bragged about using the N-word in, in terms of describing black people at a pinball show in Canada and then when told, hey, you know, like, what, like that's not appropriate. He said, f like, F, yeah, I'd do it again. Like, like that's that's all I need to know. Okay, that's all I need to know. And again, like, I, I, I understand that in Australia, like talking this way is appropriate to certain people, but not in America. And we live in 2018 and saying things that are insensitive and derogatory, even if they're funny to you, you can't do that. Like not in a public setting and especially not when you're the head of a company. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Um, I don't understand why Mike would do all of this work to make a pinball company and then go stick his foot in his mouth on so many social uh, issues and political issues and, and basically make uh, Homepin's ability to sell machines to people uh, to make it harder on himself. Uh, the number one job of any business and any marketing effort is to get as many people as you can to buy your item. And all he's done is made it that much harder. And I don't think Thunderbirds is going to do well. I, I mean, I like after all of it, if the game was great and he was an asshole, it's one thing. It's like, you know, it's like Kanye West. It's like, you, you might hate Kanye West personally, but there's no denying his talent as a musician. Um, but Mike talks all this shit, and then you look at the game, and you're like, this guy's done. He's done. All right? All right, let's go on. I got an email from Steve Daniels. Latest pod. Very glad to hear about your dad. Thanks for the entertainment. Hope the head-to-head -head stuff is all good fun in both directions. Well, Steve, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I got a lot of people who said, you know, I hope your dad feels better. And I really appreciate all that stuff. And yes, the head-to-head -head stuff is all in. It's all in good humor. All right. One last thing. I got an email Best thing since Magnus Slings from Jared Job. He said, the laugh track is the best thing. So innovative. I was dying. It was so funny. So I, I love the polarization of the laugh track. You know, I mean, some people love it. Some people hate it. But again, I told you guys, I spent a lot of money on it. 
a lot of money. I mean, Ryan C. and Marty, they can di disclose the terms of the deal, but it cost me a small fortune, and I'm not about to give it up anytime soon. <laughs> Stop it. I sound like I'm going to the toilet. Well, that's episode 213 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, as you see, if you email me, there's a very good chance your email will be read on an episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. It's canadapinball at gmail.com. We will talk to you guys real soon as we head into Texas Pinball Festival. Have a great day, everybody. Oh, yeah.